Great. All right. Hi, everyone. It's Artie from Human Chapters. Um, today, we're going to have a conversation with the wonderful Jamie Lee. But before we dive into the conversation, I'll introduce Human Chapters, do an acknowledgement to country, and then I'll give the floor to Jamie Lee. So, um, humans are living narratives with the past, present and future. These narratives constitute of a number of chapters across a lifespan. The aim of these conversations is to highlight a chapter of the narrative and unpack its connections to other chapters. I don't care whether people are natural storytellers, but I truly do believe that each one of us has a story to tell. So our acknowledgement to country. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which now comprises Greater Shepton. We pay respect to their tribal elders past and present and emerging. We celebrate the continuing culture and we acknowledge the memory of their ancestors. Beautiful. Now, Jamie Lee, there you go. <laughs> Hi, how are you? Good. Um, well, yeah, a little bit about what I do is uh, very much, very much uh, events, music, community development, arts and culture. Um, I feel incredibly privileged that um, I get to do what I love and do what makes me happy. I feel, yeah, a, a really big sense of appreciation and, um, I don't know, loyalty to the Goulburn Valley, to 3630 and, and surrounds because, yeah, my whole um, journey has very much come from being a part of this town and kind of kind of giving into it, <laughs> kind of just um, diving right in and holding nothing back. So, um, yeah, I, 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 often, I often can understand why people are sometimes negative or not as receptive um, to the community and mm. to the positives and negatives of our region. But I would argue um, black and blue that it's always worth it. Beautiful. So, Jamie Lee, tell us a bit about your journey. Sure. Yeah. Uh, the, really, the really short version, Adi, is that uh, I moved around a lot as a child and had a turbulent um, upbringing. Um, and, and to be fair, lots of people have had um, <laughs> robust and uh, complicated journeys, but um, I, I guess it's all relative, isn't it? So for me, um, moving around a lot, I maybe contributed to my very extroverted nature and um, I can pretty much talk to a brick wall as most people <laughs> would, would agree to, but um, moved around a lot. My parents were um, dysfunctional people and um, had no real sense of community or connection. So wherever we moved to, we weren't there for very long and um, eventually uh, we, we, yeah, eventually we found our place on, on different um, properties or caravan parks, or sometimes we moved to the same house two or three times. We'd leave and come back and, and whatnot. But uh, for me, music, music and, and creativity were incredibly therapeutic. And though I um, had no formal training growing up or um, 
you know, I, I didn't have artistic or creative parents to have that positive influence on me. Um, you know, I was obsessed with the radio and I was obsessed with um, learning different songs and I found it distracting and comforting and living a very lonely and isolated um, childhood. Those musicians became my escape, I guess. And um, yeah, that's, yeah. Eventually um, I ended up at Shepparton High School where I made lifelong friends and um, got involved um, in drama class and music class and, and everything else and met some unbelievably generous and passionate teachers who encouraged me and um, Mr. Collins, he was a school, uh, the school counsellor there and there were like school chaplains and things like that. So as a school, um, I certainly felt comfortable and, and safe enough to be myself, even, even though not everything I ever did was great and I certainly have regrets and, and made mistakes, but um, my, my life certainly changed when I started going to Shepparton high school and then I left home the day after my 15th birthday um, and from there very much found myself and found my feet I I, I it's it's all, I always find it hard to talk about because um, I don't ever want to be seen as somebody who um, is, is only the kid with the kid with no parents or mm. um, I don't I don't still want to be known for that at this age but when people say to me you know where are you from and, and, and how did you get to here? Well, that's, for me, that's the biggest, uh, uh, quite a big part, not the biggest, but quite a big part of it because once I was in that environment and in a um, supportive and safe space where my creativity was nurtured, I could truly find um, what made me happy. Yeah. And then I was yeah. encouraged so much so that I thought it was a genuine um pathway for my life and my career and though I dodged it for a really long time and though I had no self-belief um, the majority of the time all those people around me that kept pushing me forward and saying no you can do it you can do it and winning awards and being nominated for things and getting scholarships all of that um, eventually led to finally believing in myself enough to travel to uh, Melbourne and study music business after I tried teaching, I tried childcare, I tried uh, a, whole, a whole bunch of things, but eventually with enough push, uh, push, pushes and shoves and um, uh, enough encouragement, I, I took the leap and I've never looked back since then. Amazing. Um, now, this might be a very silly question, but when, and I've tried to understand this. So people say they find um, music as a form of escape. and to me, I don't even understand, like I can't even hear the lyrics or, or, you know, in a fast song or things like that. But what does that escape actually feel like? Yeah, that's, a, that's not a silly question at all. Um, wow, it's such a great question. I mean, um, as, as I mentioned, I didn't, I didn't grow up with music in my home, in my home life when I was younger. So for me, it was only what was on the radio. That's, that's what I had access to. And it wasn't until I was a teenager and left home and could buy my own CDs um, and choose what I actually listened to that I, that I found um, the escape, the ultimate escape. Now, in my teenage years, that was very much like bad emo punk or like, you know, <laughs> just music now that I shake my head at. But 
there was this particular song that always, always um, amps me up and it's a song by the Vines called Get Free. And that was, that, that escape that we're talking about, I just found so much comfort in the lyrics and could imagine every single word that was coming out of my mouth being my very own. And um, it's, the lyrics are quite repetitive, but it's, I'm going to get free, I'm going to get free right into the sun. She never loved me. She never loved me. Why would anyone? Now, when you're an angry teenager, you know, you can definitely connect to lyrics like that. But the feeling of that escape, you know, I would, I would go to sleep at night with the radio underneath my pillow. Um, I found it so incredibly comforting. The escape, though, for me is always in my mind and always in my soul. And I can, I can feel when I sing, certainly, I can feel um, a change in me that is... Um, no, it's not like anything else. You can't, you can't get that feeling from anything else. Um, whether I'm singing at home or whether I'm singing in front of an audience, it's, it's the same thing. Um, and then you obviously can progress to other feelings like nerves. Um, but the, but the relief and the, um, the energy and the escape as, as, as we talked about is, it's not like anything else. And I think it's, I think it's very rel relative to each person. So for me, it's just joy. Just joy. Beautiful. Awesome. My other question was <clears throat> the time in your life when you didn't believe in yourself and you didn't believe in the things um, that other people told you you were good at. What, what exactly, like, so specifically, what didn't you believe in when you're talking? Um, um, I'm not sure if anyone's ever asked me that before, but... I mean, even today, Artie, I, I really do struggle um, with imposter syndrome and I often feel like um, that I'm, I'm not educated enough or I'm not um, experienced enough or um, I don't know. I, I feel even as a woman sometimes that, I've, that um, I'm constantly battling or, or fighting against different things. But um, to not what I didn't believe in myself, to answer your question, I never thought as a, as a child, as a teenager, that I was pretty enough. And um, I, I, I remember I won a scholarship to do, um, to, to, to spend on arts and um, theatre, predominantly theatre stuff. And you could do a, a camp or you could, you know, pay for lessons and that kind of stuff. And the biggest thing for me then was, oh, I'll never be on stage. I'll never get the lead role in a show because I'm not pretty enough. And that's... Um, Again, when you're a teenager, you can be skinny as you want, but it, or you can be as beautiful as you want, or you can have parents who'll buy you, you know, jewelry, or you, you, you'll have um, access to getting your hair done, or whatever it is as a teenager. But I, I think no matter what had happened to me or what life I'd lived, I still would have felt those feelings, mm. um, and I would never go back to being a teenager again. <laughs> I mean, I certainly didn't help myself by, um, I think I was in year 10 and I got a perm. Like, what was I thinking? <laughs> I didn't help. I didn't help the matter. Um, you know, I wore heavy black eyeliner, dyed my hair black, um, you know, all of those, all of those silly things that we do. But that was, that was the biggest belief. And, and then the, the second part to that would have been, um, I just felt, I felt very stupid all the time and going to many different high, um, many different primary schools and moving more often than not. Um, 
really, I, I feel like I would definitely be smarter if I'd had a stable education or if I'd had um, carers that had a had an interest in, in education mm. or um, put a value to that. And I think that is very much about that, that generational cycle and especially when it comes to generational poverty and generational trauma, um, neither of my parents were very well educated. So it just wasn't a priority to them. Um, and sometimes not, not for everybody, but certainly in my case, I often felt that, um, you stay to the same level as them. Mm -hmm. So because I left when I was young and because I, I think I'm the first person in my family to ever go to uni and, um, from what I know and, uh, let alone, you know, have a career like, like my own, which I mean, I feel really proud of. I don't know anybody else in my immediate family that's had that experience. So yeah, definitely education and, and the feeling of not being smart enough and certainly not being pretty enough. But um, now that I'm a big girl, Artie, and, and I'm a full, fully grown adult, neither of those things, I know that now that neither of those things matter. Okay, beautiful. And so then my follow-up question from there, when did the shift happen when you started believing in yourself? Wow. Um, truly, oh, I, I, I feel like maybe all creatives could, um, well, all humans in general, but creatives for sure can relate to this, that there, there, comes, um, there comes a time where you just don't have a choice. And I was given opportunities that still to this day I can't believe happened. For example, when I was uh, 21, 22, I had the opportunity of delivering an event called 3630 Festival and I'd moved to Melbourne and I was studying and my teachers had asked me what I was, why I was there. What, what, are you, what are you here for? You think you know everything, so why are you here? And I said, oh, because I think I need a piece of paper. I, th I feel like everybody else I know has, you know, done what they need to do and got this piece of paper and, and I don't feel like I'm, I truly can talk the talk and walk the walk if I don't have this piece of paper. So they said, okay, well, um, we will mark you on whatever project it is that you need to do. And what, what is it that you want to do? And I said, well, I want to run my own music festival. And they said, righto, well, we'll change the, the curriculum um, just for you for this project and support you to deliver that. And um, that, that was a moment where I was like, oh, wow, maybe the, the, the bull crap that's coming out of my mouth you know, fake it till you make it, Artie, is a huge part of my, my mindset and a huge part of my life. And so I was like, okay, all right. So now, now you've truly got to, um, you can say it, but now you've truly got to believe, believe it for yourself. Yeah. And um, so that was, that was a, an opportunity. Money can't buy, you know, that faith and that belief and that support. And that was actually in partnership with the Shepherd and Festival. So, um, yeah, 3630 happened thanks to um, a, a guy called Lyndon Galea and um, him and I came together to deliver 3630 um, in partnership and the Shepherd and Festival included us in their program and then financially supported us uh, in different ways as well. We got a government grant, the council was supportive, um, but really it was the community. And so then I felt like I had... Like we, I think we got 10,000 likes on the 3630 Facebook group really quickly. And so then I felt like I had all of these people behind me and I couldn't, not only could I not back out, 
And not only could I not stop, yeah. but I, I didn't want to let anybody down, Artie. So mm. um, another, another huge contributor to my existence is not wanting to ever let people down. And, and even when I left home and, and people were looking out for me and supporting me, you know, if I made mistakes or I, you know, got into trouble or, you know, just did stupid teenage things, what always brought me back to reality was I didn't want to, um, yeah, I didn't want, I didn't want to let people down or, or disappoint them because if, when you invest that time and that effort into somebody like so many did for me, I was riddled with guilt if I didn't do, didn't do that, what they expected of me. And certainly with 3630, um, you know, it, it changed my life. And I hope that it um, changed the mindset of many in, in the town and in the region that you don't need to be um, privileged, you know, economically or socially or, you know, you can actually do it yourself. You can, if, if you truly believe it, you can. And a huge part of that is um, always sticking your hand up and just asking because the worst anybody can say is no. Yeah. Um, and more often than not, the answer is yes. Absolutely. Oh, that's given me some goosebumps, genuinely. <laughs> um, you said 3630 changed your life. How did it change your life? Well, it um, certainly taught, taught me to be humble. <laughs> so I thought that was the start of my career. I thought it was my, um, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be all, all that I wanted it to be. And I was obsessed with it. I was, I would talk about 3630 Festival in my sleep. I remember my, my boyfriend at the time, he, he worked at a local pub in Brunswick because I was still studying. I was still living in Melbourne and studying when, when we put this festival on. And he came home at three o'clock in the morning and, and, you know, just kind of nudged me. And I said, send it to me in an email. <laughs> I just, just nothing. I was completely consumed. Nothing else mattered. Um, and it changed my life because we got, I think it was like 30 mil of rain in 25 minutes or just something crazy like this. We had, we had a flash flood. Um, and so, you know, 12 months of my life, you know, thousands of dollars in investment, um, from the community, from government, um, you know, aiming so incredibly high thinking that we could do a miniature version of big day out in Shepparton mm. and it rained. It absolutely rained like side side rain and it was heavy and thick and it went for such a long time and I watched um all of my sacrifice and time and love just wash away and um it changed my life because I had to I had to eat dirt you know I had to just have a big cry and um and realize that I can control so many things I can I can be a control freak and a lady boss and I can um think I'm, I'm top shit, but at the end of the day, uh, mother nature or the world or the powers that be, whatever you want to say, sometimes have different plans. Um, and to lose that control and to, and to that, that pride, it changed from pride to despair. And, uh, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't believe, um, that you could get, get to a point and then just all of it, be gone and we, we finished the festival you know we pushed on we did what we could do but um 
just shattering, earth shattering. So I, I learn a lot. As I said, money can't buy that experience. And um, I feel like from then on, I, I, might, I may have been resilient when I was a teenager and I may have learned, you know, how to survive, but then, you know, trying to play with the big guns, trying to play with the big boys and then this happening, it, it taught me that, um, yeah, you've, you've just got to be humble and grateful and you've got to always prepare for the worst. So now most people call me negative party because all they ever do is prepare for the worst. You could have a flash flood at any second. <laughs> well, you experienced it. So it's come out of that experience. <laughs> yeah. And, and a really um, strange thing, Artie, is that 10 years to, to the day pretty much was when uh, Shepparton Festival had to cancel due to Corona. So exactly the same weekend, exactly the same day, 10 years later. Very, very strange. That's weird. Wow. It's very weird. It's yeah. very weird. And um, my, my husband can um, be, be the living proof that I still have a very deep issue with rain. So if, if, if it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm asleep and it starts raining, I will get up. I can't. I'm very triggered by, by the yeah. rain. Two to three six three zero. Um, you know, you win some, you lose some, Marty. Absolutely, and that that's what makes up life. Yeah. Um, my other question is: so now I'm back into so in Melbourne, you're studying. You've done three six three zero. The curriculum has changed for that. What next? take us through yes your journey of that career and how it started well my my boyfriend broke up with me that high school uh, that um uni boyfriend he broke up with me and shattered my dreams and I think I took two weeks off school uh after the festival to you know get my brain in order and just come down from mm -hmm. such a big high and uh I went back to school and I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't focus. I was, I was probably depressed really. Um, and I had no direction because as I was saying before, like when there's an energy and, and momentum, mm. it's, it's a game changer for me. I thrive off it. That's what I can move mountains if I'm, if I'm in the zone. And as soon as it's gone, I pretty much lose the will to live. But I got back to uni and just kind of fell in a heap and the teachers were beautiful and um, they pretty much just said to me, you've passed, you've passed. They came to the festival. They came all the way from Melbourne to Shepparton and they said, nobody has ever done this. You know, this is incredible. Well done. They, they thought I was some kind of, I don't, I don't know, an inspiration to the other students and such. And I just couldn't see it, Artie. I just, I didn't want to hear it because to me I'd failed. No matter what, mm. I had failed. And so nothing anybody said or did made me feel any better. Um, and I, I tried to forget about it for a long time. Um, I just kept doing the safe things in my life. So I kept working on Meredith and Golden Plains and traveling to Tassie Falls Festival and um, kind of put the dream of running my own festival uh, on the back burner and just thought maybe I'd find a job for another company or another organization. And um, yeah, just, I got married um, three or four years after that. 
um, moved back to Shep, which was what I really needed. I needed to be home. Um, I, I came home most weekends anyway, to be honest, doing um, the winter sessions and um, different gigs and such, but still um, hadn't given into the thought that music and events and community and art could be my life. And so um, I started working at the Bridge Youth Service doing community development. And that's where my husband and I um, found out we were pregnant with Dempsey. And I was still doing gigs and events and I was, you know, just kept busy, um, but always, always in my heart wanted to do 3630 Festival again. Um, so I had, was saving all of my gig money into my business account, but I would never look at it. I couldn't look at it because then there was pressure and there was, I didn't want any pressure. I just wanted to do what made me happy and do what, what I could and, um, and save up this money. So when we, when we found out that um, we were pregnant with Dempsey, my husband said, we should, we should buy a house. And I said, oh, because Artie, that just wasn't, I'd, I'd grown up living in caravan parks and, and it just wasn't a thing. You know, those, those, those ideals or those, those goals that people set, that wasn't mm. ever a thing to me. Um, I kind of, I guess, had resigned to the fact that I knew my place in the world, if that makes sense. And it wasn't, it wasn't about money to me. It was just about doing what kept me sane and kept me happy. And uh, I, my husband said, well, how much, how much money have you saved? And I said, I don't know. I don't look at it. I've got no idea. And so when I finally looked at it, I realised um, that I'd saved enough for a house deposit. And so I had to make a decision. And yeah. I don't regret it, but we bought a house and we did the things and we started doing our family. And um, this whole time I'm just kind of keeping on, keeping on. But once I had Dempsey, that was when, again, it was a forced opportunity to take myself seriously and started really focusing on JL Productions. And, um, this, and as I said, this whole time that's what I wanted, but I just couldn't believe in myself. I was too scared and I didn't think there was space for events and me. I just thought everything was council orientated or everything was Shep Festival or that it wasn't any space for the extra that I could provide. Mm. Um, but sitting on that couch breastfeeding for, <laughs> I think it was like 10 months, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I need to do something else. So it kind of snowballed from there. So Dempsey is six in two weeks and uh, in the last uh, 18 months or 12 months, that's been a, the last 18 to 12 months has been a big game changer. And 12 months ago, we got our warehouse here on Hoskins Street. So, Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. It, yeah. And I think it's been about 12 months since I've been creative director of the Shepparton Festival, which I still pinch myself. I can't believe that's even a thing. So, yeah, that's, that's a very shortened version of my career, but pretty much just... Um, doing what makes me happy and trying to help and trying to have a positive influence on the world, really. Beautiful. So in regards to JL Productions, now, what what do you guys do? How do you, yeah, what are the, your services? And um, sure. yeah, products and services. <laughs> That's the phrase, right? Sure. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So JL Productions is a, is a, 
it's a family or a group or a gang of um, good humans who just want to change the landscape and the, the space um, of live music in, in the Goulburn Valley. Uh, it wouldn't be possible at all with, in a second without Hugh Drum and he is the sound engineer that does all of Jail Productions shows um, and him and I collaborate on a bunch of different things like the Secret Garden gigs and um, the Winter Sessions. He has, his, he has his own separate business, just like I have my own separate business, but we come together to deliver um, those special events that um, we're known for in the region. Um, but as Jail Productions, I mean, we can, we can do anything really, but we specialise in space creation. Um, we hire anything and everything pretty much um, to do with styling and um, event logistics and infrastructure. We, we, just, we just got to a point where we knew we needed a, a, a point of difference. And so we could do a gig like everybody else or we could do an event like anybody else, but it had to be a reason or, a, yeah, just a different energy and different feeling to it. And that's when I just started kind of adding little bits from our house because I've always been obsessed with vintage and old stuff. Um, and so I just, you know, dabbled a little bit here and dabbled a little bit there. And as soon as people kind of dug it and said, oh, this is really cool. It just blew up because I was, I had, I had an excuse. Um, I had a reason to make things better or make them feel different. And so every place that we moved to the secret garden gigs to, um, the collection would grow and we would bring different stuff and we would try different things. And so I think now we're up to about 250 cushions, uh, maybe 50 rugs. We have, um, you know, candelabras and chalkboards, tablecloths, doilies, vases, uh, pretty much anything and everything you can think of that would decorate a space in an eclectic kind of bohemian way. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, we then do like bigger, um, I guess less pretty events like the Friar Street Food Festival where we collaborated with Liz Connick this year. Um, and in, before that, we were working on for four years, the Newmerka Food Bowl Festival. And that was just, oh, the most wholesome, beautiful small town activation that really um, set my soul on fire. To work with such a dedicated and selfless community was mm. exactly what I needed. And I think Dempsey was maybe a year old when I got the phone call for that contract and it was, it was a game changer. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So that's JL Productions in a nutshell. Um, tell us a bit about the Shepparton Festival. Sure. What is it? Why? Who can get involved? Yeah. So the Shepparton Festival has been happening for nearly 25 years. 2021 will be the 25th Shepparton Festival. And for me, I think it's the reason, in my opinion, I could be wrong, but I, I feel like Shepparton Festival is the reason why we have such a thriving arts and culture scene in the Goulburn Valley. I mean, if you think about it, I'm, I'm 31 and I've grown up just taking arts and culture and music, and just all of it for granted, just absolutely thought it was a given. And I guess I, I challenge anyone to a, a, a hearty discussion about it because when you look at, the, the constant comments about there must be something in the water or, you know, we've got so much talent in this region and 
people are kind of surprised and I'm, I'm not, I'm not surprised when we've had um, a festival that's pushed the boundaries, that's facilitated local arts development, um, that has been, I, I guess, the, um, you know, the megaphone for outside thinking and experiences and truly showing off and spotlighting the unique space that is our region when it comes to our multiculturalism, when it comes to um, First Peoples, we, we truly have no idea how lucky we are in the Golden Valley. And I get, I get very upset and frustrated when there's a lack of, I guess, gratitude or appreciation for what we, what we do have here or that, you know, the uneducated in a polite way of saying it, um, demographic of the town who don't, who don't value it, who don't think that arts and culture is important. Um, and, and I've said this a million times that Shepparton Festival is nothing without the community and it's nothing without people because there goes truck <laughs> outside my office. Um, Shepparton Festival is nothing without the people because Shepparton Festival is, it is people, you know, and it's not like we have a giant building on the lake or, um, you know, or council offices or anything like that because Shepparton Festival isn't council. Um, what, what we do have, though, are memories and, um, and this, I guess, this, this legacy of experience and evolution where the community have contributed and, and generously communited, um, contributed over and over and over again and people have grown up with this festival. So I look at people um, like Monique Allen, who's a sensational uh, local tattoo artist here in Shepparton. And her mother was a part of Shepparton Festival from, from early on. And so for her, she's, she's a prolific artist who has made, a, who's making a living right now out of her art. And it's just like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, nobody truly realizes that. And I look at many musicians and artists and creatives who've gone on, who've, who've left the region, who are just kicking butt. At, you know, you look at Briggs, you look at uh, Neil Morris, Dreaming Now, you look at Joe Kosky or um, just so many talented individuals and just like all over the world, not even the country, but all over the world, and they've come from Shepparton. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I feel like I... I feel like 25 years of an arts, arts and culture festival that's everything from food to um, installations and, and, you know, live art and drawing and theatre and just everything. Um, this, is, this is last year's program. Yes. I've always got it here on the table. Um, it's, yeah, it, 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 it means so much to me and not just because I'm the creative director now. Um, I think because I sat on the board for, for years and, and volunteered on the festival for years and I know the difference it makes to our community and our space and the feedback that we always get, Artie, is people move to Shep. They've got no idea what, what there is on offer or mm -hmm. um, I guess what's, what's below the surface and then yeah. they go to something like this and they find their people and they realise that um, Shepparton is actually more, it's, it's more than just agriculture. It's more than biz, big business. It's more than the lake, which I love and adore. But um, Shepparton, if you just scratch the surface, is it's so dynamic and I'm really proud of it. I'm, I'm proud that I get to contribute to it. 
Uh, I'm proud that my children can grow up here and experience it. But I'm, 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 I'm proud of the people who planted the tree expecting not to enjoy the shade, you know. And I love that. I love that because it wasn't for them. And many of these people that started the Shepparton Festival or have been a part of it over the years have moved away. Mm. But the shade that, that I get to enjoy and my children and, and my children's children, it's, it is, it's, it's phenomenal. And I'm, I don't know, I'm just, I'm so proud. I'm, I'm, I feel like it's such a privilege and I, I think my lucky stars every day that I can just have a, a, a tiny bit to do with it as creative director. And I can't wait to see what the future brings. I mean, for 25 years, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to bring a, a, a festival that people will connect with. But past that, you know, um, oh, there's so much potential in our region and, and so much potential for Shepparton Festival in 50 years. That's what, that's what I think in my brain. We've got to 25 years. What's it going to be like in 50? 50, the golden years. Um, <laughs> and your passion is so palpable, Jamie Lee. Like when you talk about it, all of those emotions just come rushing through to you, but I can feel them um, virtually. Oh. So thank <laughs> you for that. As you, I hope I answered the question though, Artie, because more often than not, I don't actually, I get excited and I <laughs> try and get my point across, but I don't actually answer questions. So hopefully anybody watching, um, if they get a chance, they will go on the Shepparton Festival website and they'll find out more for sure. Yeah. So now two questions. My first question is you talked about arts and culture ranging from foods to live art and my stereotypical brain goes to artists as in painting, as in sculpturing, so making that sort of art creation and music as in really good musicians actually playing guitar, sing, having fantastic voices and perhaps even chefs or cooking as an art. But I don't think about other abstract things as art. Tell us a little bit more about what could be considered art and culture. Yeah, great question, Arnie. Um, I guess I, I'll ask the question back. When we've had COVID and lockdown, what have you turned to? Reading. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Movies. TV shows. Um, Pinterest. Creativity. Yeah. Garden. You know, I'm, I'm a huge believer in... Um, art is a, a, the joy of life, really, and um, you know we can we can feel it, we can touch it, we can taste it, we can see it. So, um, like I mentioned before, I get frustrated when people don't necessarily understand. And but I, I but I get it. I get it. Like, of course, you think art is just a painting. Of course, you do because that's kind of what we're taught. Yeah. Um, but really, art is, as I said, I. I I find a lot of um, joy in gardening, designing my garden, planning my garden, um, and and then visually, like literally looking at my garden and and the textures and the and the shapes and the colours and the sounds that it makes in the wind and everything else. And I'm I'm rambling, but um, poetry um, is, is is a big thing, and and movies and and photography. And, Oh, and in our town, like we have all of that, we, you know, mosaic artists and we have a, we have a still life, <clears throat> uh, we have a life drawing club in Shepparton that's been going for 25 years. 
we have, yeah. And, and again, people wonder why we're getting this fantastic museum because it's a really big part of this world and, and of this world. I mean, as of this region and um, I, I feel that no matter what, even, even Artie, if you think and, and until you evolve as a human and, and continue to change in that, in that sense um, and experience different forms of art, you can enjoy it. I, I, I feel like you as a human, you can still enjoy it and respect it and appreciate it for what it is with mm. your, um, I guess, limited knowledge. But it's, it's people out there who don't even realise that the magazine that they're reading is, is a graphic designer who's an artist or the words that they're reading, you know, are like literature and just all of it. And there's no stopping anybody, any human of truly um, experiencing art if they want to. Uh, and it doesn't have to be um, at a cost. It's free. Art is free all around us all the time. So um, I would encourage, I guess, anybody watching this to jump on all the platforms of, um, of social media to, to check out the Shepparton Festival because um, especially last year's program that we didn't get to deliver, but comedy was a really big part of it this year. Um, uh, street art. Uh, we had nomadic silos, which you can still go and see now. Um, it's Dookie's unique take on silo art. So it's actually moving um, silo art. We had a photography exhibition um, sculptures out at Talis Winery. Um, we had a literary, a literary lunch. I can never say that word. Um, we had food events, um, river weaving workshop, uh, film workshops, um, textiles, even even textiles and fashion. Like I didn't even mention fashion, but it's all art. That, that jumper you're wearing, um, you know, the paper I'm holding in my hands. It's there's no there's no limits, is there? Beautiful. No, that's wonderful. And your role as a creative director for the Shep Festival, what does that entail? What is it that you? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it really varies. And uh, my, yeah, I've, I've got very big shoes to fill. The previous um, creative directors have just paved the way in, in the most unbelievable way. And, um, Oh, it's there's pressure, Artie. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, um, I think the beautiful thing is too that you know, in the arts space, there's always a respect for our differences, and so um, what's been done in the past doesn't necessarily always have to be done in the future. Mm. Or there's things that have been done in the past that finished that can continue on. So one thing that I actually brought back um, that was done um, in previous festivals was the call to create. So my role is to connect to the community, um, spotlight and facilitate creatives um, evolution and growth. Um, it, it's a huge part of it is community development, connecting and communicating with local artists, but also giving them that space, that opportunity to do what they, what they want and to do um, what they can and what they wish. So um, the call to create is is an invite to local artists in the GB to respond to the theme per year. So last year's theme was Unify and Rachel Dollar created this piece um, in response to Evolve and I just love it so much. And uh, this year's theme, the 25th Shepherd and Festival's theme is Unify. And so I think we had 12 or 13 local artists respond to Unify, all 
unbelievable works. And, and again, it's about educating our community about the talent that we have here. So the process will be that we will spotlight or highlight um, those individual creatives um, leading up to the announcement of this year's chosen piece. Um, and, you know, putting a face to the artists and giving them the, the I don't know, the, um, the, the, the good feelings and the, and the gratitude and the appreciation, the respect that they deserve. Because a lot of the time artists are so humble and not very great at promoting themselves. So the festival is, is more than happy to do that. Um, and then we have our EOIs. So their expressions of interest. And that's where the majority of the program comes from is again, as the creative director, putting it out there and saying, how do you wish to contribute? What do you want to see? You know, be that change you want to see in the world. Yeah. So if you're, and, and the EOIs, they're not just about um, local creatives. EOIs can come in from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, unfortunately, due to COVID, um, that does limit us in, in a way, but it's also, it also can be an opportunity. So, um, we're, cer- we're certainly still working on um, next year's festival. It will happen no matter what. It will be different um, and it will be a challenge. Thank you, COVID, but uh, a, a privilege nonetheless. So yeah. um, for those out there who are, who are wondering how they get involved, you just put up your hand. And I hope that if anything, my time as creative director and is, is connection and um, making people feel worthy or good enough. Because as you just said, you know, um, as we just talked about, I've often struggled with that and felt like I'm not good enough or um, always made excuses or um, talked myself out of it. And a big thing with here in Shepparton is, you know, if you're a hobby artist or, you know, a part-time artist or whatever, um, some people may not feel that they're at a level worth um, contributing or participating, mm. and I completely disagree. I absolutely, I will fight and fight to say that um, I don't, I don't care what your level is. I don't care um, what your success is. If you wish to contribute, then you should. And people's time and effort and value and brain and heart and soul, it is valued. And and as I mentioned, I'll say it again: without the humans, there is no festival. Um, that's not to say that we don't want famous, crazy, eccentric, you know, phenomenal artists from all over the world coming to, to our region. Of course we do. That's because together we can make something electric. Mm. But um, I, I, there's 65,000 people in our municipality. And if I, can, if I can change even 20% of their perceptions when it comes to arts and culture, or I can engage an extra 10% than ever before to even... Um, participate in the festival then my job is done and um i guess strategically and and um you know future planning for me it's about how do i upskill spotlight and facilitate the growth of creatives and um and as well as thinking of some different and interesting and unique events so i developed quarry chorus and then we um engaged 150 choir members to perform at the quarry this year. So, so my, my role is, um, it's, it's fluid, Artie. I, some days I can be um, working with the Shepparton Festival manager, Louise Tremper, and we can be brainstorming, you know, a grant and we can be thinking about funding options and strategies and, you know, really digging deep. Mm-hmm. And then other days I'm 
um, I'm, I'm brainstorming and I'm researching and I'm thinking about option A, B, C and D and then I'm calling up different contacts and seeing what can be done or I'm getting quotes about floating stages or, um, yeah. So that's, yeah. It's, it's an exciting role that, um, yeah, certainly helps me get out of bed in the morning because every day is different. Yeah, that's beautiful. And my final wrap-up, Oh, okay. Maybe one of my final questions. Um, <laughs> wrap up question. What is your aspiration for our community through your career lens, but also through your passion and just your love for the community? That's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, what, Oh, wow. Um, my mind jumps to so many different things. For me, it's about success, but not financial success. It's about a harmonious community who um, celebrate our differences. Um, it's about but like, your success being my success and, and teamwork. If we, could, if we could all just see the value um, in our differences and you know push towards the end goal or have a plan and all work towards that end goal and i mean for example it's a terrible example but it's an example nonetheless um the multi-million dollar sporting precinct is not a space that i use personally it's not a space that my family uses or more my immediate friends but i still think it's a good thing for the town mm -hmm. I can't deny that sport is important mentally, physically, emotionally, all of those things. So it's a giant investment. It's a worthwhile investment and I support it, even though it doesn't give me instant or um, constant, um, I guess, value. So we have this unbelievable state-of-the-art museum with Sam and I feel disappointed when people just can't understand that it may not contribute to your life constantly and you may not feel any worth or value from it, but big picture, the evolution and growth and development of our town should be what's important to you. And when the Sam, I think it's the friends of Sam maybe, or the Sam committee, I'm, I'm not a professional on this, but um, I think they raised over a million dollars to go towards that project. And I often say to the negative Nancy's, let me know of another committee that has done that. Let me know. I'm, I want to hear because until, and asking for money is hard, Artie. Like yeah. I, it's a part of most not-for-profit um, community groups or, or arts groups and organisations and it is so hard and putting a value to our art and our practice and our purpose is so difficult. Mm. But that space over there, even if I, the littlest contribution I've done, I've become a, um, a life, a 10 year member um, of Sam and I constantly buy the, the pins. Um, it says new Sam on it and they're 20 bucks. And it, it, I might not have a lot of money. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not one of those people with a lot of money. I work in arts and culture. That's never going to happen. But if I can just buy a pin for someone's birthday mm. present or a pin for someone's Christmas present here and there, I'm, I'm contributing at the part that, you know, the level that I can contribute. So not that everybody has to financially contribute to things like that or projects like that, 
but just to be able to see the, the value and the worth for our whole community. Um, that's what I wish for. That's what I hope for the most. And I, yeah, I, I sometimes it gets me down and sometimes I feel so hopeless when it comes to um, Shepherd and or the Golden Valley because the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So sometimes those naysayers or those negative folk, they get more attention because they're louder than us. So I guess if anyone's watching this and, and I don't know, they're waiting for a sign, here's the sign. If you believe in something passionately enough or you want to change the world or you feel like there's something you could be doing, stand up. You know, you don't have to be in a position of power to stand up. You don't have to come from a privileged life. You can grow up in a caravan park and leave home at 15 and you can still change the world if you truly want to. So just, you know, it's okay for us to disagree. I've got best friends, people that I respect and value that I disagree with, and that's okay too. That is a healthy community. Um, but at the end of the day, supporting each other, celebrating our successes, um, you know, working together for the greater good is, is what I hope and pray for all the time. That is so beautiful. Thank you so much. And the, the actual final question is, <laughs> three key takeaways you would like for the person listening to our conversation to whether it's to feel worthy about themselves or know that what they're doing is worth it. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So, I don't think anything that anyone ever says is going to change the way you or I or, you know, feel about ourselves. You know, you can read all the positivity stuff on the internet. You can do all the workshops you want, but for where, where it's come from, from me, for myself is doing and taking those risks and dealing with the consequences later. As I said, fake it till you make it. Or another one that I live by is um, it is much easier to ask for forgiveness than it is for permission. And what I'll say to, to anyone else is it's okay to stuff up. It is okay to make a mistake. It is okay to change your mind. It is okay to evolve as a human. And, you know, when I was a teenager, my, my parents were so racist and um, Oh, just just horrible, the horrible things that they taught me as a, as a sponge, you know, as a young person, you know, about homophobia and, you know, our nation's first people. And, and I grew up thinking that stuff was right. And I, I'm proud of myself for changing my mind and changing the way that I think and educating myself and learning and, and developing um, my own set of morals and values. So it's okay to say something two years ago you know, maybe you're so passionate about Australia Day because you're a real, you know, you're a real Aussie. Okay, good for you. But that doesn't mean that you can't say, you know, once you've read some stuff and you've, you know, you've opened up your mind a little bit, actually, actually, no, I changed my mind. That is okay. And I feel like some, sometimes people get stuck or they can't let go of the past or they are just, I don't know, they, they feel like a liar or, or, or a fake if they change evolve mm -hmm. and and i just want to say to anybody listening that's it's not the case at all be the best version of yourself whatever that looks like and you know continue to reach out connect with other people because humans and community is life 
and yeah. you know plant yeah. that tree so somebody else can enjoy the shade absolutely and this year has absolutely shown us that very thing hasn't it like everything else aside covid um there was equity in it it didn't discriminate yes. one bit and yeah. yeah the sense of community thank you so much jamie lee it's been an absolute pleasure talking about your arts and culture chapter um and just what yeah what your journey has been throughout it all and yeah so much passion and so so much love in what you said so thank you very much thank you thank you so much Adi. you're doing a really great job and i'm i hope you're really proud of yourself because as i said you can do what you want and it's even if it's one little step it makes a big difference so congratulations thank you and yeah i think it's really you'd be that change you want to see in the world no matter how little that change is or how big it is it's a change and i yeah. and i truly do believe in it yeah yeah me too Artie. Thank, thank you. you i'll stop recording now but